everybody in the house of the Lord today. You did not have to come, but you chose to be here today. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you're here. And I'm thankful to have the privilege and opportunity to be the pastor of this great church. Amen. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you, and you are in my prayers daily. And um, I don't take it for granted the responsibility that is laid upon me to, um, to pray and to seek the Lord for each and every one of us. So uh, this is <clears throat> the scriptures from the Ten Commandments, if you're not familiar with it. And if you don't know where you would find the Ten Commandments, this is the place that you find it initially. So we're not going to read all of it, but we're going to read a few of the scriptures today. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that's in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I'm sorry, I did not move it up on the screen, but amen. This is the first two commandments, if you're not familiar with it. You may be seated. Thank you for standing today. The Lord truly is great. And I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. Is anybody else Amen. glad to be a part of the kingdom of God? What a privilege. What an honor. They're taking the Ten Commandments down in so many different places. I am thankful that some institutes has put them back up. And it doesn't matter whether they take them down in courthouses and different facilities across this world was as more devastating that so many people has taken them out of their hearts and the Ten Commandments is very very important because God is not just interested in us being right with each other but he also wants us to be right with him and they go together they coincide it's hard for us to be um, not right with God and also be right with people it's hard for us to be right, you know, vice versa. Be right, you know, we, it has to go both ways. In order for us to have the right relationship with God, these Ten Commandments let us know that it is important that we're also right with um, each other. The first four commandments deal with uh, our relationship with God. And the last six commandments deal with our relationship with others. And those Ten Commandments in a very uh, short form is number one, no other gods before God. And it's simple. Uh, Brother David Shavell said it this way. Remember, there's only one God. You ain't him. <laughs> no, no graven images is number two. Number three, do not take the name of the Lord's vain in the name of the Lord's. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Excuse me, I'll get that out right in a second. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Six, do not murder. Seven, do not steal. 8. Do not commit adultery. 9. Do not lie. And 10. Do not covet. God spoke and he wrote. According to Exodus 31, God wrote these 10 uh, commandments on tables of stone with his own finger. And I, I said it last week, I'd love to see 
what that looked like. I'd love to see. I just envision David Hussey, the finger, and just sparks flying off it as he writes on them tables of stones. And they were written on the two tablets, and they were written according to Exodus 32 and 25 on both sides of the stone. I am doing a new series that I am entitling 10 Words that is taken, much of this is taken from an excellent book that I am reading by Brother L.J. Harry out of Mount Vernon, um, Ohio. And he has summarized each commandment to one word. And the name of his book is called Ten Words. It's really good. Um, it's one of those that if I had the time, I could sit down and read it all probably within a, within a two-hour period. And I have just about done that with it. And I went back over and read much of it again. But last week we talked about the first word, which he summarized. He's, what he does, he summarizes each. Yes, um, there is a prelude. And there's five chapters that deal with the first five commandments. And then he has one in the middle. It's extremely interested. I may, not, may or may not talk about it. Then he has the other five. And then he has an end chapter. So it's probably 12 or 13 chapters. Excellent book. But last week we talked about the very first word. He summarizes each commandment with one word. Last week, you know, with only being one God, it summarizes worship. We're only to worship the one God. Today, we will talk about the second of those Ten Commandments. And that second one is summarized simply as idolatry. Idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. idolatry. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> I remember being in school and getting substitute teachers. Anybody remember that? Sister Chastity was talking about it on the way to church today. We swung by and picked her up, and uh, she is a, a school bus driver, but she's substitute in the middle of it, middle of the day, so she has a very busy day, nevertheless. My brother David Hudson has substituted several times and, um, in the area, and um, this is Chastity's telling some stories that's just crazy today about this young man kind of getting in her face, and, and uh, I would not want to be a teacher of any type. I could commend anybody who wants to teach and, and, and help. We need that, but... Uh, I'm thankful that I'm not one, but uh, I guess I am kind of a teacher, just not in the school system. But um, <clears throat> I remember them substitute teachers, and there were some subs you looked forward to getting, and others you were glad to see them go, right? <clears throat> Sister Chassie must be one of those we're glad to see because she's acting like kids like her. So, uh, But I remember when I was in high school, I believe I was a junior. I might have been a senior in high school. There was one substitute teacher that totally and completely impressed me. Uh, she left this impression on me. I graduated in 1988. I'm aging myself. I'm old. And it's been over 30 years since I've been in school. But um, this, and I'll never forget her. She, she appeared to be an apostolic lady. And um, just by her appearance, in my mind's eye, uh, she seemed to be old, but as I was contemplating it this morning, I thought, you know what? She probably was not no older than I am, so she wasn't old. <laughs> but she was extremely kind. She was extremely nice, but also seemed to, you know, want us to get our work done. And I remember in the class, I, I'm thinking it was a history class for uh, Mr. Sigler, so that probably would have put me, I'm just now going through this in my head again, so that probably would have put 
me as a junior in high school. And, um, but as class went on, there was a couple boys who were goofing off, getting loud, when finally one of those boys said a four-letter word, one of those four-letter bad words, very loud. <clears throat> and the class gasped because you're talking 30-plus years ago. It would maybe be more common now, but 30-plus years ago, you know, oh, yeah. So he let out one of them four-letter words that was bad that you shouldn't say. It was very loud, and the class gasped, grew quite, and especially the guy who said it, and then immediately said out loud to the sub, I am sorry. I'll never forget the response of this seemingly apostolic substitute teacher when she said to him, she said, that's okay, but you just had something in your mouth that I would not even put in my hand. So now then you probably can guess the word that he said. And I'll never forget the embarrassment on his face. The look on his face was absolutely priceless. And I just was like, at that moment, just happy and proud for her because she absolutely got his goat, got him good because he was good the rest of the class. Matter of fact, the class was good the rest of the time. But I just thought that response was so well. And it didn't take her a second. She spit it right out. You know, you had something in your mouth I would not even holding my hand. I was like, wow. Somebody might be thinking, why are you talking about substitute teachers today when we're talking about idolatry? Well, Aaron was Moses' older brother, and he had his day as a substitute. Because Moses had climbed to the top of the mountain, gone to the top of Mount Sinai, he was going to hear from God, and he left his older brother Aaron in charge of probably a couple million people. Out in the middle of the desert. You think, what could go wrong? After all, he's, old, he's, he's Moses' older brother. God called him to be the mouthpiece of Moses. He called him to, uh, to help Moses do what he was doing. Surely he could take his responsibility well. But Moses now had been gone for, in the Bible, about eight chapters. It was long enough for him to go to the top of the mountain, receive those eight chapters, words of instructions of, of how to live for God and how we live with each other. But in those days that turned into weeks, the people began to get restless. Forty days to be exactly how long he was there. This Moses, they, they had no idea what's happened to Moses. He leaves Aaron in charge. He goes up the mountain. We don't even know where this Moses guy is. Maybe he's gotten lost. Maybe he's died at the top of that mountain. Maybe he's just decided to go, Brother David, on his merry way and to do his own thing. Maybe he was tired of all the million, two million plus people. But the bottom line is this people wanted to worship someone or they wanted to worship something so they went looking for the substitute Aaron and they tell Aaron according to Exodus 32 and 23 make us gods who shall go before us 
Because we don't know what's happened to Moses. The man who brought us out of Egypt, he's gone. We need a God, so make us gods. You see, Israel had just escaped from the slavery in Egypt. They weren't ready to fight. They were still trying to heal for their time in bondage. They needed protection. They didn't have a Walmart to go to, or in our case in Marion, two dollar stores. Two. All right. Three thousand people, but we need two dollar stores, right? They, well, them two million people didn't have two dollar stores. And they needed direction. They couldn't just click on their phone and say, Siri, take me home. If you got an iPhone, I guess the, the other phones would do it too. I don't know, but the iPhone, I can just say, Siri, take me home. And wherever I am, it'll try to get me there. But they were wandering around in the wilderness. And now Moses, he's gone. Possibly, maybe he's dead. And even though they were in the middle of these two million people, all this vast majority of people, they were alone. They didn't know where they were going, but they knew they couldn't stay at the foot of Sinai Mountain forever. They needed some divine help. They needed somebody to give them marching orders, but they didn't want to march by themselves. So they begin to ask Aaron to make them gods that would go before them. But here's the problem with gods. Gods we make with our hands, they can't heal us. They can't protect us. They can't provide for us. So that's why God's second word, His second commandment to His people, prohibited them from making gods that would prove useless, powerless, when they really needed them. He said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I've done read it, Exodus 24 through 6. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. It deals with who we worship. We talked about that last, last Sunday. If you missed that, you can go back to our podcast. And, and let me say this, I encourage you, if you can't make it, I know for reasons you can't make it, we try to put every sermon on the podcast. We'd love to live stream, but we don't have good internet out here, and I myself don't have enough internet on my phone to do it. So we can we can we um, we record everything. It's recording right now, and we download the podcast. Any flavor podcast you listen to, go listen to it. Uh, it will help you out. But the the first one deals with who we worship, but the second commandment is connected to the first, but it deals with how we worship. It's important to who we worship, but it's also important of how we worship. He said, you're not supposed to make any graven images. The first commandment protected them against idol worship where they had come from. It protected them from that idol worship. I like what Brother Harry says in his book when he says this. 
He said Egypt had more gods than New York City has taxis. If you was here last week, we talked about some of them Egyptian gods. There's over 2,000. They had gods of the sun, made a god of the sun, a god of uh, uh, a god that would spit the sun out in the morning, and then a god that would eat the sun at night, and I went through all those. But see, the second commandment protected them against where they were heading with their worship, where they were heading as a church, or as a, a, a people, individuals, or a group. Because the nations in the promised land they worshipped images. They worshipped idols. And they worshipped them abundantly. There wasn't just a few of them. Their gods were gods they made with their own hands. God knew that they were heading there, so He gave them this commandment before they ever got there. You see, the first two commandments seem simple. They really kind of seem simple. So we think, how could the Israelites, wandering through the wilderness... How could it go so wrong so fast? We couldn't possibly produce a God that truly represents the living God that just brought them out of Egypt. But they go to Aaron and say, give us a God. And here's the thing. You could build this 24-karat gold tire that, that makes Mount Everest look like a mohill. You, you could still... And you still just fall so short of representing how awesome and how mighty our God really is. We serve an awesome God. He's a mighty God. And if, you know, the, the old saying 2020 is hindsight, well, 2020 really looks like hindsight to us now. I'm glad it's in the hindsight. But 2020, we all can look back and we can see where God has brought us from. We can't always look ahead and see where God's taken us. And this is what the children of Israel was dealing with. But God knows. You see, because God created us. And He built within every one of us this need to worship. And Israel could have begged Aaron for, you know, give us weapons to protect us. Give us food. Give us two dollar stores. I mean, two million people, they might need about 200 of them, I guess, but... They, they, they could have said, give us medicine. Show us a map. Show us where we're going. But you know what? That's not what they asked Aaron to do. They said, Aaron, make us gods. Even people who don't worship God still worship. We've got to understand that today. Even people who don't worship God, they still worship. They may worship success. They may worship their, God, their job. A lot of people worship their, their health. A lot of people worship money. And their children. And their stuff. And we could go on and on and on. Right? God knows we will worship. But He also knows He's the only one that's worthy of our worship. Because He's the only one able to save us. He's the only one that's able to heal us. He's the only one that's able to protect us and provide for us and fight for us and comfort us and watch over us. He's God. God knows no other God will ever be able to lift that graven finger like He did and write them commandments that, that uh, uh, gives us a peripheral to stay within, to protect us. And, and so he, he prohibited us from 
making any other God to replace him or represent him because he knew we would be disappointed. But Aaron, they come to him. He gets out the offering pan and says, let's take an offering up. And he asked for the golden earrings. They're gold. And the children of Israel brought them. Brought them a lot. Two million people. It's a lot of earrings. Don't know how big the calf was, but you see, when they left, the Egyptians gave them gold. They gave them silver. The Bible said they told them to go borrow from their Egyptian friends. And they did. And they borrowed from them. And they got the gold and the silver, but God's people didn't know it. But the gold and silver was supposed to be for building the tabernacle so they could worship the real true God in that tabernacle. But nevertheless, we see in our story that Aaron goes right to work. And he fashions a golden, golden earrings into this molten golden calf. And when the people saw it, they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This has always baffled me, okay? If you've ever read through the Bible, if you've ever read this passage, it's just, it baffles me to think about what God done and Moses on the mountain and then they take all this gold and, and, and make this calf. And when you read this story, do you ever just think, how could they do that? They just watched Aaron fashion this golden calf out of these earrings that they just brought to Aaron, they weren't special earrings. It wasn't special gold. They were just gold. But as a special God, it just parted the Red Sea. And here they are, after watching him fashion the gold, they had the audacity to claim, this calf just brought us out of Egypt. Brother Harry said in his book, he said, this calf couldn't lift a hoof to part a mud puddle, much less the Red Sea. I like the way he said that. And that's the truth. But the people were happy. Aaron was happy. Seemed like all God's children were happy. Now we've got a God. But then Aaron, we see him take it a step farther. He builds an altar before the calf. And then he proclaims, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, hang on a second, Aaron. You just made a golden calf. And you're saying tomorrow we're going to make a feast to the Lord? But this is the God that brought us out? What Aaron tried to do with these two million restless people, he remembered that it was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. But it's as if Aaron... Brother Harris said in his book, well, he said, it's as if he tried to tippy-toe between monotheism, which is one God, serving one God, and idol worship. He tried to almost blend them together. The next day, they were going to have a feast to the Lord. But they would feast in the presence of the calf. This is what theologians call... Um, I'm going to spell it because I know I can't spell it, say it. I'm not good at doing that sometimes. S-Y-N-C-R-E-T-I-S-M. It's a union. Sister Cheryl's up here. I'm sure she can say it and maybe one of you. So, But 
It's a union. It's attempted fusion of different religions, cultures, and philosophies. He tried to fuse these two together. Aaron tried to marry this image of, the, of a visible God with the worship of the invisible God. But the second commandment does not just prohibit us from making idols to replace God. It also lets us know that it prohibits us from making idols to represent God. Alright? We just can't make an idol to replace your God, but we don't also need an idol that will just represent Him. And unfortunately, we see them sooner or later, the children of Israel, replace God. And all throughout history, people have tried to visualize what God might look like. I get tickled at pictures I see. I was actually was doing a little searching for a picture for our afternoon service for my some pictures that I need. And, and I was looking at all the different pictures that people had of God and or Jesus. and Sometimes they're really comical. Brother Harry puts it like this in his book. He has a way with words. If you've never heard of Brother Harry, he's got an excellent podcast called Simplify. Uploads every Sunday. A little short one. It's usually 10 to 15 minutes. You would enjoy it. This is actually where I kind of heard about his book that I'm reading. But in his book that I'm reading that this has inspired this. And a lot of this stuff is uh, inspiration is coming from him. And, but he's, I wanted to put it like he said it here. He said, maybe he looks like an old man with arms outstretched the top of the clouds. Maybe he has sunbeams shooting from his hands. Maybe he stares from above with furrowed brow and defined forehead lines. Maybe he looks like a 30-year-old American with olive skin, blue eyes, flowing brown hair, and blue sash over a gleaming white robe. We as humanity, we want someone we can see and touch. Right? None of us likes to be alone. Uh, I mean, I enjoy being alone a lot of times, but it comes a time when I want my family around me. I want my children. I want to grab that grandson and hug and squeeze him. And then there's time, I'll, I guess that's why they call it grandchildren. It's time for him to go home. <laughs> Grandparents know what I'm talking about, right? But some call us as Christians crazy the fact that we want to worship a God that we can't see, a God that we can't touch. But see, the problem with idols is that they, they can't see and they can't touch. These idols, they can't, they can't help us. You can build them bigger. You can build them higher. It won't matter how big you make these gods, these idols in your life. You see, Israel's enemies made them more intimidating their enemies made their gods more intimidating and intimidating and imposing to try to scare off their enemies. But they still were just statues. And I always got a kick out of uh, the story when, when the, uh, the Philistines took the Ark of God and set it in there before Dagon. <laughs> and they come the next day and Dagon's fell to the ground. The gods of this world can't stand before our God. When God's people settling into the promised land, finally they found themselves surrounded on every side by nations who serve a uh, 
multitude of gods. One of their favorite gods was called Molech. Anybody ever heard of the god Molech? If you read through your Bible, you see it. You read the familiar passage over and over again in the Old Testament saying, parents calls their children to pass through the fire of Molech. Have you ever read that? You see, Molech was the national god of the Ammonites. The statue of Moloch was a man with a bull's head that was over top of everybody else. He stood tall. Inside of this god, a fire raged inside, heating up the metal statue. Parents willingly, I can't get this, right? Parents willingly, voluntarily climbed the steps to the statue with their children in their arms. They would place their firstborn child in the red-hot hands of this statue. And as the flutes and the drums played in the background uh, to drown out all the screams, the child rode out of the hands into the furnace. And the child would be sacrificed to the God of Molech. We read these passages and we wonder how could any parent sacrifice their own flesh and blood, firstborn, to a metal statue built with their own hands. Now, I know as a parent, I wanted to at times. I wanted to sacrifice some kids. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, but I wanted to beat them to death at least, right? But didn't they know Moloch was powerless to help them when they needed help? We, we don't understand the heathen worship of Moloch, but what about God's own people? 1 Kings 11 records one during a dark time of the days in the Old Testament. When even King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, according to the Word of God, he got caught up in the worship of Moloch. Had he listened to the second commandment given by God, he would have never worshipped any graven molten or carved image. There was a God of Asherah. There was Baal. There was... Chamash, they were the gods of the Canaanites. We could take the list, just keep on running with them. The god of the Canaanites served and worshipped a lot of different gods. For each of these gods, they had images for every one of them. That were the children of Israel's neighbors. That's who surrounded them. In this second commandment, God wanted the people to know, it's alright. In fact, it is right. To worship the invisible God without a visible image. Because we are people of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And the Canaanites looked at the children of Israel wondering how this new nation could worship a God whom they had no image for. How can you worship a God that you don't have an image for? How do they know what He looks like? Don't they need a statue to show them what, they look, what their God looks like? Something visible for someone invisible? That's no doubt what they were thinking. But God's people, we're not like other people. We walk by faith. And we walk by sight. Not, we don't walk by sight. 
And some in our world, no doubt, they wonder how we can worship the one we have not seen with our eyes or touched with our hands or maybe not even heard with our ears. And they say, give me some real, give me something real. Give me some evidence to prove that the existence of this God that you serve. How do you worship a God who speaks to your heart? No doubt, that's, that's a fair question. Yet, we do. And although we, we've not seen Him, or heard Him, we love Him. We believe Him. We believe in Him. We believe that He is, and we believe that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We do not worship like the world worships. And that's okay with God because He don't want us to worship like them. And it should be okay with us. And the obvious of the second commandment prohibiting us, it, it, it don't make, not to make any idols to replace or to, uh, to replace or represent God. And we can say, oh, come on over to my house. Bring a search warrant. Whatever you want, you're not going to find no idols in my house. You're not going to find, I'm not, I'm not fashioned out no gods, you know, like uh, Buddha's not sitting in my house or, or, or you know, the representation of, of Moloch. You're, you're not going to find that in my house. We, we can make, oh, you can, I, I'm not going to be nervous, Pastor. Go ahead and come on over. And, and since we... We think we don't have any carved images and, and, and things like that. That Hey, we can just skip this commandment because we don't, we don't worship them idols like that no more. And before we do, we need to understand something today. Today we serve, we got other idols, right? We hold them in our hands. We watch them on screens. And unfortunately, a lot of times, we birthed them. And sometimes we, we worship our kids over the God that created us. We, we, go, we go there every week and expect to get a paycheck. We make gods out of this stuff. But also, we have to consider this today. Numbers 21 and 4, it states, as the people were wandering through the wilderness, it said the soul of the people was much discouraged along the way. And I, I remember going on road trips with our kids. I mean, I, as a kid growing up, I remember. If, I, if we was going on a long trip somewhere, I just stared out the window, okay? I knew better to, to say much or, you know, whatever. Now our kids, if, you go through a dead zone and their, their phone doesn't have service. They're like, I'm bored, right? Are we there yet? <laughs> but can you imagine millions of people looking, are we there yet, Moses? Um, I mean, I'm sure we'd get discouraged too if we had been wandering around for however long 40 years, a few decades, and not getting where we're supposed to be going. 
But then what happens when you begin to get discouraged, it, it drove them to disrespect the authority in their life. Then they spake against God. They spake against Moses. And Numbers 21 and 5 lets us know, said, look, you, you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. There's no food. There's no water. We don't like this manna. We're tired of this manna. They, they, wanted, they wanted God to do something for them. I'm, we're tired of this. We've been wandering around the wilderness. Are we there yet? They got discouraged along the way. And God, we want you to do something, God. So He did. Anybody know what He done? He sent fiery serpents to them. <laughs> And they bit them. And many of them died from the fiery serpents. You've got to be careful when you get so discouraged you start lashing out at those over you or God has sent some fiery serpents into your world. And then they ran back to Moses. Hey, we're sorry, we're sorry. Go, go tell God we're sorry. Cut off the snakes. So the Lord told Moses, I want you to make a fiery serpent. Numbers 21 and 8. Make a fiery serpent. Set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And as soon as the sick people looked at the brazen serpent, they were healed and they lived. God told Moses to make a serpent and put it on a pole. But hang on, God, what about the second commandment? You told us not to make no graven images. What, what about that? Was God just testing them to see if they would worship him for healing them? Or if they would worship the image. If it was a test, they made an elf. Because 2 Kings 18 tells us that the bronze serpent had to eventually be taken down because the children of Israel were burning incense to it. They started off very well and they ended up very poorly because they gave glory to what you and I do today still. They gave glory to the creation instead of the Creator. It sounds really familiar to it, doesn't it? Because let me take it from the idols that we make of the phones and the, the boxes and the kids and the jobs and all that, and let's bring it to church today. Because you know what we do a lot of times? We make gods out of these. We make, we make gods out of this type of stuff. Prayer cloths. I can only get a prayer cloth. Man, they're going to whoop me now, huh? I, I, got a, I got a co-worker that he's always asking for prayer cloths, but he doesn't necessarily go to church. And I'm going to take them to him. We're going to pray on them. And they obviously seem to be working. But... For us, could it be a cross or a prayer cloth? It could even be a person. You see, you've seen the person that's hanging on to that cross for their miracle. And some believe that if the right preacher prays over me, or the 
magical prayer cloth is in my life. And, and we see people, I've seen it, they go from city to city, service to service, just to get one minute with a faith healer so they can be healed. Now, I got, don't get me wrong, I believe in prayer cloths. I'm thankful for what the cross done for me. And I believe God gifts preachers in a certain way to bring healing to people's lives. But while the healer is in our city, in Marion, and we can look to the healer and not the one that maybe is transfers the healing. Give me 15 prayer cloths I can pin to my shirt and, and, and around everything. About, and I, don't get me wrong, I believe in that. But we can get to the place that we make a God out of the thing that brings us the healing instead of making the, uh, worshiping the true God Himself. I'll bring this to close today. Hasten quickly to this close. Brother Harry said it well in his book when he wrote, He may use who's and what's to work his wonders, but he is the one working the wonder. Thank God for the who's and what's, but thank God. But thank God. Not the who's or what's. A wooden cross is on a chain can help. Neither can prayer cloth drown in olive oil. But you see, the one who sees our faith, the one who hears our prayers, can. And He will. You see, the words of the second commandment should be clear to us. There's nothing to replace or even represent God. Because if we do, we become an idol worshiper. And there are nobody like our God. Do you know that today? And there's no people like God's people. You know why? We're not looking for a God that we can see His hands and His feet. But we're serving a God that uses His unseen hands to touch our heart and heal our lives. Because we are a people Better to walk by faith and not by sight. So this is why he gives us the commandment. If you don't make no graven images. Yeah, you need to know who you're going to worship. But make sure you worship me right. You can't worship me on your ideal of... And, and listen to me. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to say this and be done. Be careful what you make idols. Is it because God has a tendency to take the idols from us? I've been in this thing a long time. And sister, sister Lisa, I've known too many, seem like men in particular, they can't serve God with a good job. So they always have to have a bad job to be able to serve God. Because every time they get a good God, they make that their idol worship. Parent, make sure your child is brought to the house of God with you. Don't let it become your idol. Too many times I've seen God taking that idol. You don't want that. Because usually, He generally drives them the other way. So, 
we must make sure that this second commandment of idolatry is kept in our world and our life. So I'll close with a small prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Just ask you to help us today, God. Help us in this place today, God. We love you. We give you praise and glory and honor, Lord. Help us to keep our selves from idols, God. Help us to keep, help us not make, I mean, we're not going to fashion golden statues and, and we're not going to fashion wooden images out there, God. I, I know we're not going to do that. that. We're living a different time. But God, I know that we can be subject to worshiping the, cre the creation more than the creator. Help us to remember, as the psalmist said, the writer said, the worship to remember the creator in the days of our youth. But help us to do it also, God, the longer we've been in this, God. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We just ask that you would help us today. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. God bless everybody. Take yourself a break and we will uh, get back to uh, the rest of the service in a little bit.